Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Creativity is not a magical, mystical power that's only given to a few. The fact is we're all capable of being creative. Kids have it in spades, but as we grow older, we become more focused on other things and creativity sometimes get put away in a box. My guest today is Gabor George Burt, the founder and director of the Slingshot Group. To guide us through the process of reimagining our boundaries, break free from our self-imposed limitations, and tell us what he thinks is the most important leadership trait. Gabor, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Pleasure to be with you. Well, good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. My first question is, what is the most important leadership trait for future success and why, since we kind of teased everybody with that one? Absolutely. And this is not me talking, so it's much more objective than that. It's uh, based on a study that IBM did a few years ago, and they asked uh, 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 thousands of CEOs from around the world, from 60 countries, over 30 industries, that what do you consider as the single most important uh, leadership quality or traits that you must have to be successful going forward? And the number one answer was creativity, which is uh, really exciting and, and phenomenal because if you ask the same question, say 15, 20 years ago, it would not even have made the top five in my opinion. But uh, people realize that living in a VUCA world, which is this acronym given to uh, to represent uh, this perfect storm, the perfect cocktail of, of really uh, dangerous and, uh, and difficult conditions. V stands for volatility, U for uncertainty, C for complexity, A for adversity. That living in an environment such as that, uh, the thing that you need to excel at most is understanding how to continuously reinvent, reimagine, refresh yourselves. And, and the, the same CEOs also said that they consider themselves to be very inadequate, ill-equipped in this regard. And so that's really my space uh, in terms of providing guidance and structure uh, to, to create companies and, and leadership, uh, leadership teams that are able to, uh, to harness creativity. But you know, most companies try to get things down to perfection and just get it down to working just like this. And once they're like that, they kind of lock it in, but that's the wrong thing to do, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, another uh, really interesting kind of point of departure is that uh, there was an article in uh, Fortune magazine in 2006, so way back 14 years ago, called The New Rules. And what made that article interesting is that the same magazine, Fortune, named Jack Welch, the former uh, head of GE, the manager of the century, uh, going back into the 19th century. And the same article, six years later, said that uh, you know, Jack was great uh, for, for uh, the, the, the past, everything that he stood for, but, uh, but this is a time for new rules. And it actually yeah. mentioned a few, few of them, such as, you know, traditionally, uh, one of the mantras was be number one or number two in whatever you do. And the new rule is create something new. Another one was uh, be lean or mean, um, be lean and mean. And the new rule is look out, not in. Uh, so, so it's, it's really what you, you're saying is, is absolutely true, is that companies are more traditionally equipped to, uh, to provide structure, stability, uh, and ongoing uh, consistency. 
And the new, uh, the new leadership model is uh, more about flexibility, change, uh, adaptability, and creativity. Well, Nick Crow is one of our uh, members and a and a big fan of our show. Wrote down change, adapt or die. Of course, that's that's from my book from way way back. And of course, I kind of live by that mantra: change, adapt or die. You know, right now I tell people to when it gets gets to the perfect, break it because that's when you need to start looking at, at a different way. And you know, and just and and I tell everybody right now to as you reinvent yourself, and everybody should be doing that as executives, right? We should be doing that. You know, make yeah. yourself a brand. Get that content out there. Is it content, you know, is king, activations, queen, context of the kingdom, putting it in the right place. And I say right now, go out and create a new category, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Let me ask you a question. Why do we stifle creativity and filter ideas as as adults? Is it just because we're tired or old or lazy or what? I mean, is there any logic behind that reasoning? But we seem to just like when somebody comes up with a new idea, "Ah, that that won't work. No, absolutely. Uh, so the, uh, the, the, to address your first point, which I think is excellent in terms of really inspiring people to break the mold and, and, and do something new. So uh, right now we're living in a period of what I call extreme uh, disruption, right? This crisis. And I love the quote by Paul Romer, a, a Nobel Prize winning economist who said that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Yeah. The, and, you know, it, it gets right to the heart of it where crisis, of course, is a setback, is seen as something really dangerous and, and, uh, uh, and challenging. And that, that's all true. So that's not to diminish that side, but to say there is another side because a crisis also represents a reset, a refresh. And everybody, every company and every person has the ability to, re- uh, to imagine what the new normal will be like. And so, so this is an exceptional time for that. But I think what uh, what holds us back as adults is, you know, for example, what uh, what uh, what Pablo Picasso said that every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist as we grow up, because uh, what happens is we get educated out of creativity. We as adults are channeled more into uh, into following uh, uh, following uh, structures. And, and so we kind of lose touch. And my whole point, and this is why my framework is called Slingshot, which is the, this symbol for the, the universal uh, you know, toy and, and therefore a childhood, is that what we simply need to do is reconnect with that, uh, that part of us. And I, and I use a story as an example from my childhood to illustrate you know, the power of this. And that is this was told to me when, uh, by my parents, apparently when I was around two years old, I was pushing uh, some toy cars on a coffee table and out of the corner of my eye, a fly caught my attention and perhaps it was the first time I saw one so close land on the side of the, uh, the edge of the, the coffee table and I reached out to touch it and it disappeared. And my reaction was to look under the coffee table to see where it has fallen. And of course, I didn't see it there. This happened two or three times, same thing, landed. Uh, I looked under, didn't see it. But the fourth time it did that, I didn't look down. I looked up. I looked around and I saw the fly in the wall. And the point is that from, a, from one perspective, this instant is so trivial, right? It, it happened to all of us as we were children. Uh, but, uh, but from another point of view, it was a complete and, 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 and utter mindset shift. It was a new paradigm that I accepted. And as children, we're receptive to that. In fact, that's how our curiosity, our sense of adventure, 
uh, is is limitless because that's how we learn the world around us. And so, what I do with uh, with my work and the leadership teams I, uh, that I that I guide is I expose them to a simple example of this experience and how easy it is to recapture this sense. And then I give them a structure and a, and a direction on how to systematically apply creativity in their, um, in their business. Yeah, think outside the box. I like to burn the box, just burn the box. Let's see, then we got no box and then we can't go anywhere. How, how did you come up with a slingshot? You said you mentioned that as a, as a child, that's a universal thing. And it is, I can, I remember making my own slingshot when I was a kid, you know, and then maybe we, you know, it was a good, good year. Maybe we bought one, but I, we always used to make them. But yeah. uh, how did you come up with that as the, the icon for this, to be creative, you know, to be a yeah, kid no, again? Absolutely. And, and so my background is with Blue Ocean Strategy. I think, Jeff, you know that. Uh, and so uh, I, for over 10 years, I went uh, around the world uh, helping companies understand and apply the concept, which is all about creating your own market space. And, and what I discovered was that uh, everybody loves the idea of, of having your own space and, the, and, and, and a blue ocean. But in, in reality, very few companies were able to, to do it. And so there was a disconnect between, between uh, uh, the ability and the aspiration. And everybody saw Blue Ocean as disruption, as doing something completely new and leaving your current business behind and, uh, and entering space that you're uncomfortable with. So when I saw this and I wanted to create a, a concept and framework to, uh, to make it practical, that's when I was thinking, what would be the perfect symbol? And, and the slingshot, one of the key reasons that I already mentioned was that it does remind us of, our, of, of, the, of this incredible resource at our disposal, which is our childhood creativity. But I also love the mechanics of a slingshot, which is all about you know, uh, pulling back and, and creating tension against a piece of elastic that then uh, project, uh, then again, that uh, launches a projectile forward. And I think similarly, that's what I'm proposing is that we create tension and push against these self-imposed mental boundaries. And by doing that, we release ourselves forward to, uh, to new territories of, of opportunities on a, on a corporate as well as a individual level. And the, and the third was simply that a slingshot is very closely related to a sling, which is, of course, was the weapon of choice for, uh, for David versus Goliath, yeah. where he... Uh, was up against what everybody thought was an unbeatable foe and an impossible situation. And using his creativity, he was able to put himself uh, in control. So those three things combined really uh, made the slingshot the, the perfect symbol for me. You know, it's, uh, there was pa Pamela Lerner is on, uh, asked the question, how can you have patience with all that's happening in the world? I can't seem to keep it from filtering into every aspect of my environment, which kind of gets me to the point where once I had somebody ask me, Jeff, you know, with the success that you're doing and how you do these things, you walk with such swagger, you just do it, you know, kind of a thing. And they said, what happens? To those little voices talk to you. What do you do? And I said, I stopped listening to those voices a long time ago. You know, what, what advice do you have for Pamela to how, how to keep, you know, keep that out of the conversation so it doesn't limit uh, what she might want to do or, or those little voices telling you, Oh, you're a loser. You can't do it. You'll never do it. You don't have the cash. You don't have the people. Your team isn't good. You know, what, whatever it might be. How do you, how do you get past that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And it's the same thing as the, the doubt that people have and you know, their knee jerk reaction uh, often is I'm just not a creative type. You know, I can't do that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't 
I'll, I'll say that I can't sing. I can't sing. There, there should be listeners. So I, I'm a really good listener, but and I sing something. Yeah. And and that's a, and that's a so 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 the way I get around that is first of all, as I mentioned, I immerse them in an experience where they feel the power and the ease of applying creativity. Okay, and then. Uh, having doubt about anything is, I think, fine. I mean, it's just a, whether it's a, a healthy amount or or an overdose of doubt. So what I do, and this is the really important link, uh, you know, creativity traditionally was seen as kind of a non-analytical and therefore non-objective uh, part of uh, of, uh, of culture, right? So, so it seemed as abstract, and even the term brainstorming implies that, or we're just throw, throwing around ideas. So what I do is provide, what Slingshot Framework is about is providing a specific structure so you can systematically apply creativity, and that makes all the difference. So when I mentioned that, you know, people love Blue Ocean but didn't know, uh, didn't know or were, were scared to, to jump in, that's exactly the point that you're making is that there's doubt, there's, there's these voices. So what I set out to do to say, let's, let's uh, create an objective way for you to apply creativity so that you are minimizing the risk of failure and you're minimizing those doubts and those, 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 uh, all those uh, reasons why you shouldn't go down that path. And, and that's what I have found to be really rewarding in, in my work over the last uh, you know, eight, nine years since I introduced Slingshot is that it really works. It, it makes a, a, a tremendous difference because it addresses exactly that point. But you're going to fail. I mean, I always fail. I'm always failing. I mean, I, and I, I tell people, and how, how do you justify this or get them to this point? I tell, you know, you, you, everybody's saying fail fast, fail fast. I go, bullshit, win fast. You should be winning fast. Right. You want to get to where you go. So how do you how do you help people get over that? No, that's absolutely true. And, and uh, you know, I, I love the uh, quote by Albert Einstein, who said that unless an idea is first absurd, I have no use for it. Right. So part of this is to push people to uh, to, to absurdity. Right. So, for example, if you uh, we traveled back in time to, let's say, 1989, or 1990, and you ask someone, what do you think of the idea of mobile phones, right? They would have laughed at you. They would have thought that that's an absurd concept that, you know, to have your own phone number rather than a phone number to your house, office, or car didn't make any sense. And as same as today, wearable technology or urban farming or medical tourism, you know, these are all terms that at first seem absurd. So the point is that where we want to do what we want to do is is create a culture where we encourage the uh, the embra- embracing absurdity, pushing beyond boundaries, and even humor is a great way of doing that. And and we see companies embracing that, and that is part of the culture that also says that it's okay to fail. So if you have an idea that is not going to be uh, feasible, that's okay because you're at least exploring the perimeters, the the outer edges and and, and boundaries, and and so you build that into your culture. So I, I completely agree with you. You know, uh, succeed fast. Uh, uh, fail repeatedly. All, all those things are, are absolutely the right way to to think. You know, I've got our business growing in the what right way. I wish it was faster. I wish it was bigger. Had more zeros. You know, but I'm never satisfied with things. But but it's it's going, and which a lot of businesses aren't. You said, hey, let's take a good use of a good crisis. Don't waste a good crisis. Which means even in the darkest adversity of times, I mean, there are businesses that are rebirthed, or reborn, or grow. So, what are some of the high growth strategies we should be implementing right now? Well, uh, and, and yes. So one of the things that I share with uh, 
with companies are, are those kind of examples. Throughout history, there's many examples of companies that have thrived during crisis or were born. You know, you can think of FedEx, you can think of uh, of Airbnb, uh, no Uber, Uber, Uber exactly. was Uber was born during the last downturn. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so there's many many uh, success stories in that sense to uh, uh, to, to to reference, uh, and and that's. Uh, uh, that's really uh, that's really uh, the, the case, but I think that uh, and I loved uh, you know Lauren's uh, stories about her business, her background, and 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 she said so many important and inspirational points, very specifically oh. about her business. But one of the first things she said uh, uh, that uh, when she was doing business consulting, that her first question is was you know how well do you know your customer, right? And so that to me is the absolute core question to ask is is now that we have a uh, a revision of the of the normal every company should map out their customers experience or their target customers experience or the greater communities uh, experience in terms of how they will uh, have a whole new way of living interacting and working and then understand how to make their offering relevant or indispensable to that and that's really uh, the opportunity here is that those companies that understand and and there are challenges, but also opportunities. I mean, Lauren was talking about all the ways that she's reinventing her uh, customers experience, you know, doing online events, doing all kinds of new things. So there are those opportunities and, and that's what uh, companies need to do. C-Suite Radio. So I, I was talking to Lauren before we get on air. Now, what happens a lot of times before we get on air, you were part of that. And then we talk a little bit and we get off subject before my producers yell at me and say, hey, it's time to go. And and we were talking about this smoke taint issue. And I said, I was talking to a couple of uh, of, uh, of vineyards, because uh, I got good friends in the wine business. I said, hey, can you turn that into a positive? Like, it's got a smoke taint to it. It's got a smoke taste to it. Of course, right, she said, right. no, that's not a good thing. So, but, but it does get to my point where I want to ask you about this question. How do you turn these pain points, yes. you know, and this is a pain point, right, yes. into a point of infatuation because you're an expert at this. Yeah. So how might, how might we use this to, to do something bigger? Right. And that's, that's exactly it. So at the very core of my slingshot framework is this concept of, of getting every company focused on the key pain points that their target audience and customers feel, which are the points in their experience that cause the most frustration, disconnect, and not just fix them or remove them, but to turn them into a positive so that it becomes the highlight of their experience. And that's what I call a point of delight or infatuation. And an infatuation to me is a special word because it's the only one that expresses two things simultaneously. One is a very strong attraction and then a temporal one. So one that is finite or, or, or will only last for a brief period. And understanding that is the golden platform for ongoing innovation and, uh, and, and growth, because you understand that whatever you do for your customer, they will love it, they will be delighted, but, but then very soon that will become the new normal. So then we'll, they will accept it. That will, be, that will be the accepted part of that new experience and the emotional connection starts to diminish. So now you know that you need to refresh that emotional connection. And that's what I call the infatuation interval. But how you do that, you know, here, here's an example. Um, 
the uh, Spirit Airlines, right before, well, last September, so so before the current crisis, uh, introduced new seating on their on their airplanes. And I think you'll agree with me that the most uh, the worst seat on any airplane is the middle seat, right? No one wants yes. that. Yes, I won't fly. I won't fly if I'm a, unless I'm in an aisle seat. I'm not flying. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to point that out. You feel like a sucker. Uh, you feel like you know why me? And that's and that's a yeah. big pain point. So what did Spirit Airlines do? They announced that in their new figure uh, configuration on on the planes, the middle seat will be one inch wider than the other two seats. Right. And that's not much, but the psychology of it completely reverses that perception. So now people will say, I got the middle seat. This is the widest, the most comfortable. So you're transforming that pain point into a point of infatuation. And of course, this will excite uh, uh, spirit passengers for a certain time. Then they come to accept yep. them. And then you need to reinfatuate them. But that's the thing to do is, is, is for every company to look at it that way is map out what are the, the worst point of our customers' experience with us, especially now with COVID, that experience is now completely different. How can we transform it and make it into a point of infatuation and delight? It'll be curious to see if the other airlines go that because I, now I have this I have this vision that every time I step on a plane, people are going to look at me because I'm a big guy and go, you should be sitting in a middle seat. Right. Yeah, from- exactly. <laughs> Exactly. What's what's next for Slingshot? Have you is there a is there an add-on? Is there a you know reshot? Is there is it going to be rocket ship? What's the yeah. next What's the next big thing for you? Right. Uh, so I am uh, actually doing two things. One is building this into a uh, global network, and uh, as you uh, might imagine, because of COVID, the the interest in this sort of uh, thinking and approach is is exponential now because it becomes critical, right? Every company yeah. has to reimagine it. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Absolutely. And, and the other is, yes, I'm putting together my next book, which is uh, probably Slingshot Relaunched or Reloaded, something like that. But it's all about uh, specific examples as well, well as, you know, the six-question test that I give companies to, to really expose or leadership teams to really expose them to these self-imposed mental boundaries so yeah, there's a lot of content being built, and and uh, and it's ex- it's exciting time. So as you're building your uh, global empire, you know that's uh, something that I am uh, I am uh, focused on as well. Well, thank you very much. You know, I've been telling people I got one last one last point uh, before we turn it back over to questions to Trish and to Greg. I I've been saying Gabor during this entire time, days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years. I mean, the speed of which COVID has hit us. If you have not started retooling, rethinking, getting creative with your business, you're in big trouble because this time this time continuum is squeezed so tight yeah. now. And I yeah. feel like, you know, like six months has been like six years. I, right. you know, that's what it feels like to me. Do you think everybody's getting that? No, and you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the time has speeded up. Um, I don't think everyone is getting that, but they should. And and there's you know one thing that I reference is the is the moon landing, which we celebrated the 50th anniversary of last year. But when President Kennedy in 1961 announced that by the end of this decade we will land a man on the moon, everybody thought again that he was crazy because the technology didn't exist. The U.S. has sent only one person into space and not even outer space before then. And so I think that uh, what we have the ability to do. As, as people, as human beings, is, is really exhibit our best 
in the deepest of crisis or the deepest of challenge or the most limited amount of time. And, and that's a great example of that, that, that uh, the, Ameri- you know, the U.S. delivered on his promise, on, on, his, on his goals, uh, as, as absurd as it seemed in a very short amount of time, uh, uh, within eight years. And so similarly now, uh, yeah, the, the, the challenge is, is up, but I think this is what uh, kicks our best and our, our most creative uh, abilities into high gear, and we just need to embrace that. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it being here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett and, of course, doing a live cast on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you this great digital discussion all around creativity and patience and, of course, uh, Gabor, George, Bert. C-Suite Radio. I'm going to turn it back over to Trish and Greg, and we'll take it from questions from uh, some of the members that are here as part of this digital discussion. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you, Gabor. Uh, That was fantastic. Uh, Steve Lashansky had a great question along with a great quote. I don't know if you're following the chat, but uh, absolutely loved it. Um, So his question was, what are the biggest obstacles to getting a team to be creative and how do you address those obstacles? Yeah, the, the, the biggest obstacles are those self-imposed mental boundaries, right? In terms of uh, just not uh, looking at ourselves as being creative or not understanding its power. So I s- simply debunk that uh, when I, uh, when I uh, work with teams. So I give them what I call the Imagination Kits Challenge, which is uh, a, a little bag with uh, an assortment of everyday items. So uh, some uh, paper plates, a newspaper, a bag of rice, things like this. And I say you have... You have 20 minutes to create the most fun game possible. And magic happens. No matter who they are, the most high-level executives, the most serious, traditional thinking ones, they immediately start playing, reverting to that inner child. And, and they come up with the, the most beautiful, you know, uh, uh, creative solutions. And, uh, and I say, this is exactly the type of thinking you need to apply in business. And, you know, when I, I'm not with a live audience, uh, I, I give them examples and, and, and language is a great example. So every major language uh, has between 100,000 and 500,000 words. And uh, uh, every person, again, on average, uh, uses about 20,000 words a day. Now think about that. That's like having a Lego set of hundreds of thousands of pieces. And every day we construct a structure of 20,000 pieces to express exactly what we want to say, all new ideas, thoughts, concepts that we want to communicate. And that is an incredibly creative process of us building and then rebuilding every single day. So those are the kind of things that I do or say to, to really uh, get people in the, in the right uh, mindset. Uh, and uh, we go from there. Dan Silberberg um, has posted a few times in the chat, and they're very interesting posts. And it seems as though Dan thinks that the older you get, the more conformity beats the creativity out of you. So what he says is our creativity is siphoned out of us by rules and myths and beliefs and schools and college and communities. So over the course of your life, you go from, I suppose, you go from a carefree child with a sense of wonder and then basically... You know, the, the nail that sticks out just keeps getting knocked back in and knocks out the creativity from you. He even posted something from YouTube, which is, says, do skills kill creativity? So can you uh, offer some advice about how you can keep your creativity, even though the world is trying to make you conform? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's great. Uh, so, so absolutely, that's one of the misconceptions that skills and uh, creativity cannot coexist. And I think 
the, their their combination is is the perfect cocktail, right? It's it's if you if you accumulate all these great skills and and knowledge and expertise, yet you retain your creativity, then uh, then you then you have everything. And and so for my book Slingshot, that's exactly what I did. Is I interviewed all these wonderful. Uh, visionaries and and, uh, and and global experts in all different fields. And I asked them questions such as, what evidence do you have that you were once a child, right? And it, this opened up all kinds of wonderful stories in which the commonality was, is that they retained their creative thinking as adults. Now, I can give you, a, you know, several inspirational examples. One that comes to mind is Tony Bennett. So Tony Bennett released his first number one album at the age of 85 which was duets. So if you think that age is a, uh, you know, a, uh, a killer of creativity, all you need to do is just pick the, the right inspiration. Again, that is just a perception and a self-imposed boundary. Um, and so, so yeah, I just think that uh, there's so much around us that, that goes the other way to debunk that, that all we need to do is understand it and, and be inspired by them. I, uh, I, I love those examples. They're great ones. And we have to think to, you know, what is that game that we play? I love using the Rubik's cube, you know, like, you know, so you get one side and it's like, excellent. And then you've completely messed up all the other sides. Right. And you can keep playing. Okay. If I move this, I move that. What does that look like? Anyway, I have a great question from Daniel Huber, one other one of our uh, leaders in C-suite. And he says, does knowing your personal limitations help or hinder most in uh, creativity in business capitalization? Interesting. Uh, and by the way, a quick reference to Rubik's cube, because, uh, I am originally from Budapest, so uh, so Erna Rubik is also Hungarian, and I had a pleasure of of meeting him, getting to know him, uh, and uh, he also provided a great insight and quotes for my book. Uh, but uh, the Rubik's cube is the world's uh, best known uh, uh, object of learning, and 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 and, and of course, fun and and uh, and uh, kind of a uh, making you think uh, object. It's the only object, by the way, that has its own agent in Hollywood. It's it's that uh, it's that popular that it's in so many movies, but the question you know Daniel's question uh, yeah I mean understanding your personality that's what I would say not limitations but because again I think that we have perceived limitations but understanding your personality is is important so for example are you good at uh, uh, working with people are you impatient or patient you know a topic that was uh, raised earlier during the show today um, are you a good uh, uh, listener or, or talker, you know, those kind of things uh, do come to play. And, and, and the better you understand uh, how you interact with others and know your, your personality, of course, the, the, the more successfully you, you can apply uh, what you're good at and, 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 uh, and uh, realize uh, uh, the success of your teams. But again, I would be beware of putting the word limitation around yourself because a lot of those, again, are nothing more than, than perceptions and, and self-imposed. So there's a lot of writers in this C-suite network. A lot of people have published their own books and uh, maybe some of them have gotten writer's block. So when it comes to needing to searching for inspiration, Steve Conlon actually put that in the Q&A, uh, where do you come up with inspiration if you need to break through a creative drought or a writer's block? Yeah, I mean, many things. I mean, there's so many things you can do. Uh, Obviously, have your senses open, no matter where you go, and and just uh, the world around you will 
will continuously feed you uh, information uh, that you can uh, take in through all your senses, and 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 that's one of you know that's one of the big uh, big advantages of traveling. When you put yourself outside your comfort zone into into new uh, areas, then your senses open up. So so that's that's a wonderful thing to do. Another is simply interact with children. So if you're a parent, spend more time with your with your with your kids and and observe how they see the world, or even tell them about what you're trying to do and then ask their opinion about it because children have the, the, the wonderful quality of asking the most disarming questions that again, adults just way overcomplicate. So there has been instances where I have brought in children to leadership sessions and made them the judges of assignments that I would give to, uh, to executives. And, and it's a wonderful role uh, reversal and uh, intergenerational learning. So those are two quick examples when you get into a writer's block or your creativity is blocked is, is get on the road, uh, put yourself outside your comfort zone, do some traveling, maybe some wine tasting, you know, that, that, might, that might be the ticket or, uh, or uh, spend some time with children. I love it. That made me think of the book, The Philosophical Baby. Have you ever read that book? I don't know that, no. Oh, it is absolutely worth uh, the read and, um, and, and absolutely fantastic from that whole perspective of how we uh, take uh, the child's perspective. You know, uh, and I'll never forget, I read it many years ago now, but one of the examples is, uh, you know, an adult looks at a dresser and they merely think of it being a dresser, something you put clothes in. And yeah. the child thinks yeah. of it as a climbing apparatus and various okay. other things to fly from and throw things at and <laughs> all kinds of things that we would never, you know, think to do. Um, so, so I think uh, we are uh, out of time again, but what an incredible session. Thank you so much for the insight. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c sweetradio.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.